Chronic Ritual Abuse. I'm Lisa Meister, your host, and I'm very thrilled to bring to you Deborah today, who is an SRA victor. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. I'm sorry, we've had so much trouble connecting today, and I know the audio is not the best, so I apologize to our listeners. But Deborah has a great story that I'm looking forward to hearing. Deborah, can you tell me what life was like growing up? Well, I was born into a generational family of Satan worshipers. And the family uh, had been worshiping Satan for approximately 40 generations. So that's a lot of years, hundreds of years. Wow. And it was on both sides of the family. My mother's side of the family was more into uh, the witchcraft side of, of the Satanism. And my father's side was more into the sacrificial, uh, tortured type stuff. And um, so, you know, they, marriages were arranged and my parents got married and continued on with the generational abuse. And uh, at four years old, my father would come into my room to molest me and you had asked how I got to know Jesus. Well, when I was four years old, he'd come into the bedroom like he often did and I hid in my closet and closed the door and the lights were off. It was very dark and I was hoping he wouldn't find me, but I could hear him walking down the, the hallway. All of a sudden, this, the door to the closet opened. It was a sliding door, and I felt weight on my shoulder, and I thought it was my father, and I was scared. All of a sudden, this bright light came into that closet, into that room that was brighter than any light I'd ever seen, and I couldn't help but turn to look. And I did not see my father. I saw Jesus. And the way, reason I knew Jesus was because my grandmother was the only Christian in the coven. She married into the family not knowing what she was getting into. And her father had arranged her marriage to my grandfather. So I knew about Jesus because of her. And I knew this was Jesus. And Jesus said to me, I can't make him stop, but I'll always be with you. Oh, wow. He always was. Though there were times when I forgot that, looking back, there was never a time that something horrible happening to me. He wasn't right there with me, going through it with me, and getting me through it helping me to survive. There's many times when I should have died. At eight years old, my mother sold me into prostitution. She was my handler. There was sex trafficking going on in the coven. And we lived a double life. We went to church on Sunday and looked like upstanding citizens in the community. And on other days of the week, in that same church, there were rituals satanic rituals and 
my grandmother was the deaconess of that church and was forced to let them in when no one was there. And uh, so trying to sort out what Christianity was and who Jesus was and who Satan was was very difficult. Uh, for years, I couldn't figure out the whole story, you know, who was who. I, I was told that Jesus was was uh, the bad guy and Satan was the good guy. And uh, the evidence of that was was not there. I mean, even at even at a young age, I knew that what they were doing was wrong, and uh, that must have just been God, the, the Holy Spirit in me, letting me know that. Because at four, there's no way I could have known that. Right. But, and at four, I began making alternate personalities and creating alternate personalities to handle the, the abuse. And the abuses were many. My mother was actually my worst abuser. She was a very sexually abusive and uh, tor tortured type things and uh, would leave me for dead and uh, lock me up without uh, food or water, deprive me of lights and, uh, you know, I mean, just lots of sensory deprivation and leave me for days. And there again, I should have died. But, as the Bible would say, Jesus came and laid down next to me and comforted me. How did I know it was him? Because there was that same light and that same voice. Couldn't see his eyes. You know, his, the light shines from him so bright that you cannot see his eyes. Uh, Moses tells of that, you know, and uh, when he's going up onto the mountain and the burning bush, you know, he talks about that, how he had to cover his face because the light would just be too much. And that is the way it is. But uh, after that, the, the sex trafficking became uh, more and more of a... Uh, an everyday thing. I was taken out of school. We didn't go to public school very often. We only went to public school when uh, the truant officers might be coming after us, when they were afraid the truant officers would come. Um, I had many aunts and uncles that were, were high in position uh, in politics. They were doctors, lawyers, judge. Uh, so much of what they did, they got away with because of who they knew and who they were. And nothing was ever questioned about their behaviors. And my parents both had jobs where they were around children all the time. So they had access to children uh, that they could, could kidnap. And, and it happened often. And it was, you know, there were many people who would be involved in that, not just my mom and dad. My grandfather was the high priest. And my grandmother, the Christian grandmother, was actually the high priestess. 
but uh, she did not participate in in rituals. She uh, was there, had to be there, but she did not participate in any of that. Um, my mother did. My mother took that role as the high priest, unofficially. When I was 13 years old, I got pregnant by my father. Actually, I was 12, 13 when I had her. And uh, she lived one day. And uh, at 18, I had a second child. And that was by a man who came as one of the many uh, men who would come for, for sex and drugs. And uh, I became pregnant by him and had a son. And he was an Easter sacrifice. Oh. So I have two children in heaven. Now, during all this time, I am dissociating to survive. I know about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus. And when my daughter was 10 years old, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fast forwarding here. It's a long story. When my daughter was 10 years old, she was molested by her teacher. And helping her get through that started triggering me. And uh, we all ended up going to therapy. And uh, the teacher was uh, found innocent of 19 counts of first-degree sexual abuse. He had a good attorney. I didn't. Um, but this, this devastated me. And this is when I started remembering my, the ritual abuse. I had remembered some sexual abuse, but I hadn't remembered the ritual abuse. That's when my memory started coming up. How old were you? I was 31. And, uh, it was, uh, very very confusing, crazy making. I didn't know what to believe. You know, am I crazy? Did I make all of this up? Uh, I was afraid to tell my therapist uh, for fear that she would think I was crazy and put me in the hospital. And that's basically what ended up happening uh, is that uh, she felt I needed a safe place to be for a while to figure it all out. Right. Traditional, traditional therapies did not work for me. I, in this case, it did not work for me. I am a counselor and I consider myself a good counselor and I work with SRA survivors and all kinds of different mental health issues. But this was a spiritual issue. And nobody was addressing the spiritual part. You know, we're talking all the demonic stuff. And nobody was addressing that. And I didn't know enough to address that or what was going on. It wasn't until 2012 that I met a woman named Idra Hayes, who was a, she's a pastor and had been doing deliverance and healing for many years. 
and I had heard about her through a friend, and I went to see her, and the very first night that I went to one of her meetings, I was scared to death to talk to her. I was scared to be there. They were doing curse breaking and all this stuff, and it just, it, it just sounded really scary to me. I wasn't sure that I wasn't getting in another cult, you know, or, or, or worse. And uh, I finally had an altar that came out and had enough uh, confidence and, and uh, lack of fear to be able to go up and say, hi, I'm Deborah, and I am a survivor of satanic ritual abuse, and I need help. And she smiled and said, you're in the right place. Aww. And I was in the right place. So through, through uh, the last 12 years, it's been 12 years now since that day, I have been working on my healing. And it got to a point about six years ago where my uh, altars were totally integrated. Uh, it was a lot of hard work. Um, and what is really strange about integration for me was that I thought, you know, I was scared to do that, to, to integrate. I didn't even want to hear that word because to me it was like, these are my friends and it's going to be like a death. You know, I'm going to lose them somehow. That doesn't happen. They're all, they're all there. They're still there. All those, all those traits they had, they're still part of me. But they're under control. I have control of them. They don't have control of me. And you have and the strengths of them. Not, yeah, I have. I have what the the strength, the the compassion, the 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 courage, all the positive things that they had. I have the assertiveness that they had. You know, I have. Uh, some of them were very talented in different ways, you know, artistically and otherwise. And I have that. So I didn't lose anything. I gained wholeness. I gained back the woman that God meant me to be. And that's what I wanted. That's all I wanted was to be who God intended me to be. And to know who he was, know him. He's brought me through so many things and everything that the enemy meant for evil. God really does turn around for your good. I think about the past and I and it was horrible and I don't want to go there again. But when I'm working with a woman or a man, sometimes the survivors are men too, and young young children. When I work with them and I see them healing, I understand what God was doing during that time. He was preparing me for the time that I would be helping others. It was rough, but it was worth it because now I get to see others healing and I get to talk about the journey and this journey is about what God did for me. And that's what I want people to hear. Is that 
God loves us so much. He's always with us, going through it with us. And there is a reason, and he will turn it for good. I don't, you know, there's, he doesn't tell us when, he doesn't tell us how, but he will do it. I'm 69 years old. I have a lot of experience with that. And every single time he's turned it around for something good. And so uh, if you don't hear anything else in this, hear the, the hope. The hope is there. And that's, that's what I am wanting to leave people with is that, you know, it's when you're going through it, it is so painful and you don't know how you're going to get out. And sometimes you think about not even wanting to get out, just ending it all. I've been there. And uh, I gotta tell you, there is an answer and the answer is Jesus and he loves you and he wants you to be whole and he will not leave you. The word of God says he will never leave you nor forsake you and that is truth. That is truth you can count on. What is the difference in your life from before you were integrated to after? Because like the whole thing that the devil is doing is breaking you into pieces so you cannot be who you're supposed to be. Where when you're integrated, you're fully who God created you to be. So how do you, how did you tell the difference in your life before and after? Well, there was such chaos when, when I had the altars, uh, the, the switching, the loss of time, um, not remembering, not remembering things I had said and done. My family would insist that I had said or done something and I would have absolutely no memory of it. And, um, you know, I had had co-consciousness with some altars, but other altars I did not. So they could be doing things that I didn't even know they were doing. And it would cause conflict with my family because they would insist that I said this or that or did this or that. And I would insist I didn't. So it could it could cause an argument. So and at work, I could uh, to put myself through school to become a counselor. I was a preschool kindergarten teacher, and I would get down on the floor with the kids and play with them. And oh, the parents thought I was the greatest teacher ever. You know, oh man, she gets down on their level. She plays with them and she. She's face to face with them and they just love her and she she lets them climb on her and all this stuff. They didn't realize that the adult woman that was on the floor had had the uh, cognitive ability at that time of a five-year-old and that's why she was acting like one. It was a five-year-old altar. Yeah. So, uh, that became pretty pretty hard to handle after a while because there were parts of my job like paperwork and uh, some financial uh, things I had, records I had to keep track of that a five-year-old can't do very well. (laughs) uh, So, uh, you know, it, those are the kinds of things that got difficult in dealing with. 
but I am so grateful that God gave me and gives others the gift of being able to fragment to the point of having a safe place to go and a safe safe in that in that turmoil of all the trauma and torment that you're going through it's a way to stay somewhat sane and alive for most of us right so yeah. i thank god for the for the gift of being able to do that every day but i always wanted to be who i was meant to be and didn't know who i was i was always told i was the devil's child or or just a, a dummy or whatever so you know knowing who i am now first and foremost it is it my identity in christ you know my identity is christ i'm his child that's that's the most important to me right but, but knowing what i like what what my talents are you know having an opinion about something those things those are all very important parts of who we are and i i wasn't in touch with any of that i was just surviving so, uh, you know, God, that's another thing that, that God put back together for me is being in touch with what I want, you know, for me, what my dreams and hopes are and what I want to do with my life. So it's, it's very different having the altars really served of, of an important purpose, but uh, I am grateful that God has put me back together because this is a different kind of quality of life that I believe was meant to be in the first place. So how do you enjoy life right now? Are you able to live in it and appreciate it? Oh, yes. But uh, it's not what a lot of people think, you know, they, when they say that to me, they're thinking like uh, family stuff and, you know, like it's all back together kind of stuff. Well, that's that's not true. I've had to find find joy in uh, other things. And uh, I love my family dearly, but I can't be around them. They're not safe. And right. so. Um, Maybe God will change that sometime. I don't know. I, I pray for it every day. But I find, you know, every day I look for beauty in the things I'm looking at. If I'm looking outside and I see animals, you know, people with their dogs on a leash, you know, I'm looking at the beauty of maybe their relationship, how much this person loves that animal and how beautiful the dog is and, and looking at the trees and thinking about all the different, how many different kinds of trees there are that God has created and, and how different they are. And then, and then going from the trees to the flowers and seeing all the difference in them, you know? So I am, uh, my focus is more, I'm very visual. So my focus is more on Focusing on the here and now, trying to stay in the present. I don't always do it. 
you know, I have some things going on health-wise that would like to take my attention in a million directions, and trying to stay focused is not always easy. But I try to bring it back to uh, the present moment and, and what God wants me to do in that particular moment and, uh, and then look at what beauty there is in it. It's because uh, it's everywhere. I mean, we can look outside and we can see a lot of ugliness and we can get fearful and all that, but uh, we can also change our focus. We don't have to stay in that place. Right. So yeah. that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of what I do is uh, refocus and uh, when I get there. And that's kind of like with the triggers. You have to get yourself grounded again, and that takes refocusing. How do you do that? How do I do that? Yeah. I have different ways. It depends on how, how severe the trigger is. But uh, I, I fight a lot with the Word of God. You know, uh, the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword dividing soul and marrow and the bone and so I use the word of God it is a defensive tool and offensive tool both and I just all I have to do is put the armor on and stand with the sword ready and Satan backs off and if he should come, which he does sometimes with his with his tormenting words, you know, in your head, I use the word of God back, like like Jesus did when he was being tempted in the garden. That is what I do. I'll say, it is written, and I will quote the word. And he will leave. And that's how I get grounded again, if I'm triggered. You know, it's like, okay. I need to change my focus. What what does the scripture say about this? What is the truth? That's great because you know we have our soul and spirit inside of us, like our flesh and spirit. So if we're triggered, we're in the flesh. So you're activating the spirit side, which is strong in God, and getting back focused there. So that's a perfect way. That's right. That's right. We're tripart beings and we need to take control over our soul. And the way to do that is by the spirit, the spirit, because the enemy can't get to your spirit. He can only get to your soul and your body. But, uh, so we have, we have, uh, the Holy spirit in us. That's another thing. I, I rely on that Holy spirit in me to protect me and to remind me, and he does, of uh, what I need to be doing. Sometimes uh, I need to be reminded more than once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you're Don't... falling back into old behavior. You know, he'll say, he'll whisper, you're falling back into old behavior. Yeah. How are you going to change that? So, so you work for the Spiritual Freedom Church. Yes. Do what Jesus did. Uh-huh. And they're all around the world? They're not in every country. 
they're in one about 100 countries now we're in and and uh pretty much spread out all all around yep and um we have teams in many states here but if if a person is wanting to to seek help through deliverance and heal, you know inner healing um in this country they would call idra and idra would set up someplace close to them and they can do it by skype or they can do it face to face because there's teams in other other uh, states that they can meet with them face to face or by skype or zoom or one of those you know kinds of things Okay, and I'll put the contact information in the show notes. So if anybody wants to get in contact with them, mm -hmm. they can call there. So look in the show notes if you're interested. Yep, I will get you that information. And uh, then you can pass it on. What would you like to say to survivors who are very frustrated in the healing process? There is an end to it. Don't be afraid to ask for help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. It's not a weakness. Please reach out to people and know that this is a step-by-step -step process. It took you lots of years to get to this point for most of you and uh for me it's, it's 69 years of uh living uh, i wish i had done it younger but for those of you that have that opportunity i would say reach out to people and be in the word know the word and an intimate relationship with Jesus is going to carry you through like no person can. And that was, that was hard for me at first because of the confusion about who he really was. And, but uh, so many people have been given up on. You know, so many survivors have been given up on in the past. Don't give up on yourself. You're worth it. You're worth it. God loves you and he wants to see you shine. He wants to see you thrive, not just survive. And he's there to help you. So reach out. Yeah, I really see that reach people out. that can trust God have a lot easier time healing than those who can't. For a lot of people, you know, the whole father thing is uh, difficult. It was for me, and it is for a lot, you know, God the father. And if they had a father that wasn't, uh, who was abusive, let's just say it. Um, it's harder to think of God in that way. And, right. Uh, so I understand that. 
but getting to know him slowly through the word, you know, really reading it, meditating on it. Um, I like to tell people when you're, when you're really having a hard time, reread the book of John. John is a beautiful book. It talks a lot about the attributes, the characteristics of Jesus gentleness and the kindness, the patience, and just how much he loves. uh, It's all for you. He has it all for you. Yeah, some people see him scary and ready to hurt them in the process of healing them. Yeah, but he doesn't do that. Romans 8 tells us, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who love Jesus or in in relationship with Jesus. You have a relationship with him. Uh, There is no condemnation. And uh, he has forgiven your sins as far as the east is from the west. And once you confess it, you don't have to worry about it anymore. So he's not throwing down the fiery darts. That's that's Satan. He's right. not throwing down the the uh, lightning bolts at you. Uh, what he'd like to throw your way is a lot of love and caring, blessings, blessings upon blessings and treasures. And that's what I see every time I see someone get healed. It's God just pouring out His blessings. That's what you have to look forward to, is more and more blessings. Because he's a good God. He is a good God. He's a good father. Yep. Good brother. That was a hard one for me. Counselor. He's the best counselor. Yeah. Encourager. Director. And that we never go anywhere without him. Even in the rituals, he was right there. In the closet with you, he was right there. He was literally right there. I mean, people think that's crazy, but I'm telling you, I could have touched him. I think that's beautiful. Beautiful. I got saved when I was 15. I didn't say that. I mean, you know, really accepted and understood what I was doing at 15. How did you do that? I'd been going to a missionary alliance church. My parents let me go to church because it was that, you know, looking good thing. And uh, my mother went to uh, a a church that she liked, which was a combination of new age and occult mix. Yeah. I think it was called... uh, Scientology, or no, not Scientology, Science of Mind. Anyway, so they weren't going with me. They let me go, and I uh, joined the youth group that they had. And this youth group, the the leader of the youth group was really an awesome young man who uh, really knew how to get kids interested in learning the Word and, and learning about God and and then taking that out and putting it into action in the community, you know, really doing community service type things. And uh, 
uh, I just was learning so much about Jesus and I just I wanted what I was seeing in other people I wanted that happiness that joy that peace peace oh and the hope and uh, I, it was like I was coveting that, and which is, uh, we're not supposed to covet, but I kind of did anyway. Uh, I finally just was in my family, uh, family room in my home, and nobody was home, and I was just kind of singing some songs and, and worship songs. And all of a sudden, it felt like somebody walked in the room behind me. And I turned around, and there is a vision of Jesus. And he says, I have important work for you to do. And he walked away. Oh, wow. That was it. I mean, oh. this glory again, this beautiful light, these beautiful robes. And I mean, there he is. And I thought, oh, my God. I wept like I've never wept before, I have since, and uh, I just couldn't believe it. And uh, neither could anybody else when I told them that I thought I was crazy. But yeah. I was not crazy, I know what I saw. Right. And uh, I went to church and told, told the youth pastor and we had a huge party Lots, I mean, lots of good memory around that. It was just, it was awesome. And I got baptized shortly after that and uh, kind of wiped out the baptism of the coven. You know, theirs, theirs is quite different than the churches. So uh, that was how I got saved. And, and it was, uh, It makes me want to cry. It was so. Oh, awesome. yeah. it, it was just such an awesome experience. I just feel it now as I'm speaking. It's just an unbelievable experience. If you could hold on to that feeling every day, that would be so awesome. I have to figure out a way to do that. <laughs> yeah, that would be <laughs> very nice. Better than a million dollars, I tell you. Oh, yeah. You know, my husband and I were talking this morning about how the demonic off people want power. You know, they want control over other people or over circumstances in their life, you know, that sort of stuff. And it makes them miserable. Yeah. Yeah. It brings misery. But with God, it has to be about love and relationship. And a lot of people just right. don't want that. Just don't want You're it. Right. You're right. And it's so sad. I, uh, have members in my family like that and I just have to keep praying and praying keeps me busy there are people coming out of the satanic and getting amazingly saved right now so yes there are and I have high hopes for my family yeah I'm holding on to a promise that God made to me and he doesn't break his promises that's uh he's never broken a promise to me and uh I don't believe he ever will. I don't think he's capable. No, nope. so. no, nope. he is not. Nope. 
So uh, I'm, I don't know when that will happen, but it will. Yep. So for everybody listening, we got to keep praying for our family members, keep praying yes, for people in the occult. You know, even the wickedest yes. people, you know, I figure as long as they're alive, there's still a chance they can never, get right. Yes. You never know what they may do with their last breath. That last breath, they may say, Lord, come into my heart and, uh, and mean it. And uh, we just don't know. Would it bother you when you get to heaven if you find your abusers had done that and gotten saved and they're there too? You know, I used to, it's interesting that you asked that because I used to think, man, if my mom's there, I don't want to be there. Yeah. I, I did really think that way. And uh, I don't feel that way anymore. Wow. Now, now it's like I have this hope for her that she did that she did, that in her last breath, she called out because she didn't know him uh, in an intimate way. I mean, she knew of him. She did not have a relationship with him, a, a love-hate relationship, maybe, or not even a love-hate, just a hate relationship. But uh, So we don't know. We don't know. And, and we don't have a right to say that person's going to hell because we don't know that either. Yeah. We're not the one making the decision. Nor would I want to be the one making those decisions. Oh, neither would I. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. I think, you know, there is this place inside of us that wants vindication or wants somebody to stand up and say yes I did this to you and validate it or be sorry or maybe have judgment of some sort against them and, and there's that part of us that wants that but yes. then there's this other side of but I really want them saved I really want them to find God just like I did yeah and that they can have that freedom. Like you think 40 generations of your family. Yeah. It got sent down. So they were the children before and they were the children before mm -hmm. that. So mm -hmm. they grew up and then they decided to be in the cult and to do it to their children. Yep. Somebody has to break that and say, okay, let's bring salvation. Let's bring Jesus in. Let's, you know, let's right. change this. Absolutely but, right. I've been working on that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And if we get saved, we need to get to the point where we want the generation above us to get saved as well. I agree. I agree. I, you know, when I was first uh, going through deliverance and I was told you have to forgive the people who did these things to you, I was like, no way, no way, you're out of your mind if you think I can do that, you know, it's like, uh, they don't deserve forgiveness, and uh, no, no way, and Idra says to me, well, Deborah, then you won't be forgiven, and you will be locked up in chains until you die, yeah, and I said, uh, what do you mean by that? And she says, 
they have the hold on you. And they're not even near you now. You're away from them. And they still have a hold on you that you're giving to them by not forgiving them. And then she explained to me, you know, forgiveness is not about it being okay what they did. We know that, you know, it's, it's, and you don't forget those things just are, you don't forget them. But if you don't, if you don't uh, forgive, then it's like having a, them having a chain around your leg and you, you're not free from them. Because you're still holding on to that anger. That anger, anger, that anger, that pain is still attached to you. Right. So do you want to have them attached to you all the time or do you want to let go of it? Does (laughs) Does forgiveness mean it's okay what they did to you? Absolutely not. Never, never. It means that I'm not going to hold on to the anger. I'm not going to let you have that control and power over me anymore. I'm going to release it back to you. And And that's the beauty of it because then you're not consumed with that hatred that makes you miserable. It makes you bitter. Instead, God replaces that with peace. Yes. Like, ah, what they did was nasty. What they did was horrible. I'm not okay with it. But it hasn't destroyed me. And in God, I'm okay. Yep. I can, I can look at it now and think, that was really horrible. I don't understand how you could have done such evil. But it made me stronger. It made me fight more for what is right and wrong and it made me more compassionate towards other people so uh, it wasn't all bad and now and the fact that I get to help other people that God trusts me to be able to do that I mean that's a pretty wild thing when God trusts you with his children to, to help them I mean when I was sitting with a client one day and I recognized that man, God trusts me to do this with his children, his most precious possessions. He trusts me. It's like, wow. Yeah. Just there's a, there's a, a treasure and a blessing when you get healed. You recognize it as a treasure and a blessing. It's, it, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty yeah. awesome. And this has been good for me because it's making me think of things that I haven't thought about for a while that I needed to think about again. Yeah. Yeah, when you start ministering, you sometimes get a little more disconnected from your own story. Yeah. Everybody with theirs. But yeah, sometimes you got to go back to it and see what all God's brought us out of. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. Well, I appreciate you so much, Deborah. You're sharing your story and your pain and your deliverance and Jesus and your ministry. I just really just praise God for all that he's done in your life. I mean, I just hear the life in your voice. Well, thank you for what you're doing. Your website is important to me and and you're just, it's been, uh, 
helpful for me. Oh, I'm so, so glad. Yes. I mean, I still have a ways to go, and uh, it is just the perfect place for me to go. So thank you for what you're doing. You're, you're welcome. Very glad to do it. We're all getting healed together. Yep. And moving all of us to a better place. Yes. That's right. Well, again, if um, you're interested in Spiritual Freedom Church, please get into the show notes and we'll have uh, all the contact information there. God has healing for everyone, not just SRA survivors, but everybody. Everyone's got hard parts of their stories that need to, healing and deliverance from, and God's got it for everybody. That's right. Thank you so much, Deborah. You're so welcome. Thank you.